0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three, and one who offers us a new life of redemption through the forgiveness of our sins. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever been to a pawn shop? I'd, I'd sort of hazard the guess that there's a few people in our congregation and a few people that are watching that have not. Uh, probably most of us have, I I think, maybe. Um, uh, But if you haven't been to a pawn shop, uh, this is kind of what a pawn shop is. A a pawn shop is... uh, This is how their business model works anyway. It's a place where you would go if you had something that that you wanted to pawn. Now, what it means to pawn is that you would go to this place and you would say, well, I want a loan. I I need a loan for something. I need a loan in order to uh, live my life. I need a loan in order to get a little bit ahead. I need a loan in order to uh, make the ends meet. I need a loan in order to buy Christmas presents this year. I need a for whatever. And, and uh, they, they have kind of a, a, well, sketchy and sort of seedy um, uh, uh, thing because a lot of times they were used as, as places where you would fence stolen goods. Uh, but really, the, the business model was one of loaning. And, and so uh, you, you would say, okay, I need a loan. And, and so um, I, I'm going to uh, go to this place and I'm going to ask, ask for a loan. And they're going to come back at me and they're going to say, um, uh, we need some collateral in order to give you this loan. And we will give you a loan depending on the amount of collateral that you can put up. Uh, and, and so uh, you would then, uh, you know, bring that collateral to the pawn shop, whatever it might be. Maybe it was uh, your mother's wedding ring. Maybe it was your neighbor's lawnmower. Maybe, you know, whatever it was, uh, you, you brought that and you would say, okay, this is my collateral, now give me the loan. And if you could not make good on the loan, then they had full rights to take your thing that you, you put up for collateral and, and then put that in their sort of store. They, they put that up for sale and, and they, they then say, okay, other people can buy this in order to pay off your debt. And that's sort of how Pawn Shops works, and, and, and you can see kind of how um, they, that ended up being a fencing operation uh, for a lot of folks, but is really not so much anymore. And, and so, uh, you know, pawn shops are, are interesting places. They're places where, uh, you know, you you have these things that, that are there uh, that are slightly used, sometimes valuable, but m- most often not. Uh, you know, you, you've got that crazy uh, uh, Pawn Stars show on on uh, the, the History Channel, which is probably, uh, you know, nothing like the average pawn shop that you go to. And, and you maybe kind of wonder, okay, great. Thanks, Pastor Jay. Now I know about pawn shops. What on earth? does that have to do with Advent? Uh, And here's what it has to do with Advent. It has to do with Santa Claus. And you go, oh, really? Uh, Let me tell you more. So today is uh, December the 6th, which means that it's Santa Claus Day. It is the feast day of St. Nicholas of Myra, right, which is a place in Turkey. So Santa Claus probably didn't have white hair. Uh, uh, he probably at least started off with very dark black hair uh, because he was Turkish and he was probably, you know, smoking a camel cigarette. Um, and and uh, that's who Santa Claus was. He was Nicholas of Myra. And and the, the story goes that uh, what happened with St. Nicholas of Myra was that St. Nicholas of Myra was orphaned as a, as a young child. His parents died, but his parents were very rich, so he was sort of uh, Bruce Wayne. And, and so he, he then went to the monastery, and, and going to the monastery, he sort of hoodwinked them. He said, uh, you know, he, he went into the monastery in order to be taken care of by the monks and learn to read the Bible and all of that, but he never told them, hey, by the way, I've got all of this money. And so What Nicholas of Myra would do since he's Bruce Wayne is he would go out at night and he would do Batman kind of stuff, Uh, except nothing like Batman, a lot like Nicholas of Myra. And so one of the legendary stories of Nicholas of Myra was that he had, you know, uh, all of this gold that he was sort of hiding away in his bunk in the monastery, and he knew of a family that was very much in need, and they had three daughters, sort of like my family, and uh, three daughters, but these these people were so poor that they did not have enough money in order to come up with a dowry, which was an amount of money that the parents of, the bride would put up uh, in order to get their children married off, in order to get their daughters married off. And so if they didn't have this this amount of money for the dowry, what would end up happening to these three girls is that they would become prostitutes. Uh, That was kind of the way things happened in in Nicholas of Myra's edge of the woods there in Turkey. And so uh, what Nicholas of Myra did was he kept an eye on uh, on this family and uh, on this house and as soon as one of those girls would turn of marrying age he would run by their house like batman because he's bruce wayne he's got a lot of money he'd run by their house and he'd throw a bag of gold coins into their chimney And that then landed down, and they all of a sudden had a dowry. They they could marry their daughter off and save her from a life of prostitution. Well, this happened three times. And so... Because of that story, then you have uh, we come back to the pawn shop. So if you've ever gone to a pawn shop, you know that they, most of them anyway, they have the, this symbol, and this it's this weird symbol that's kind of like a tree. Sometimes it's like a bar, and it has three gold balls that hang from it. And and you go, well, that's kind of interesting and fun. I've never seen that. Trust me, go look in an old pawn shop. You'll see that that symbol. That was the old symbol for what it meant to be a pawn shop, and that comes from this story of Santa Claus. Uh, so we call him Santa Claus because his name was Saint Nicholas uh, and then we're just kind of Santa Claus. Uh, and, and and so uh, that's that's the story and that's what Santa Claus has to do with pawn shops. Is that uh, that thing that hangs up in pawn shops that's supposed to remind you of this guy who went and he purchased back. He redeemed these girls by throwing that money into their chimney and uh, then, then walking away from it and saying, I have now redeemed these girls. And, and so it, it's kind of an interesting story about who Santa Claus is. Is or, or at least one of the legends about who he was. And uh, later on, they, there's uh, other information that he met this guy named Arius, who was a heretic, s- slapped him in the face. That's another fun story about Santa Claus um, uh, that you probably don't hear very often about him slapping people around. But it, it kind of goes in this sense of, uh, all right, well, what's going on in this gospel reading? Hey, you know, we're, we're finally getting to the Bible here. But you needed all of that in order for us to, to really start to jump into, okay, what's going on with John the Baptist? What's going on uh, in this gospel reading where, where Mark opens up his gospel and he doesn't give you Christmas? Uh, and Mark opens up his gospel and he completely ignores this season which, you know, a lot of people are mad at him about still to this day. They don't want to read his gospel because he totally skips over Christmas. That jerk Mark. Uh, instead, what he does is he goes, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And, and Mark, Mark's gospel is all about getting Jesus to the cross. It's all about, I don't care about any of that cute baby stuff. I want to get Jesus dead on a cross for you so that you can realize what he's doing for you. And so the, the opening scene here, if you're watching it as kind of a movie, the opening scene is that you have this quote that comes up on the black screen. You know how that, how that happens at the beginning of some movies? You have this quote that comes up at the beginning of, of the movie, and, and it's this quote from Isaiah, also Malachi. Malachi. Uh, and, And it comes up and it kind of fades away. And then he says, and John appeared. And so he sort of appears there like he's appearing on the screen. And we go, oh, here's John. What does that have to do with the beginning of this story? Well, you know how the beginning of a movie always kind of gives you a sense of the setting? It always gives you a sense of what's going on in the world at that time. It gives you a sense of the world that they're creating if it's more of a science fiction or or fantasy movie or or gives you a sense of the world at the time in which it's alluding to. And and here we get this picture of what the world looked like when Jesus was starting his ministry. It, It looked like a world in which people were coming out to see a crazy guy dressed in crazy clothes, eating crazy stuff. But they went out to him because they knew that they had a problem with sin. And it's an interesting moment to just stop and think about the setting here. To just stop and think, the moment into which Jesus was born into this world was a moment that people were starting to get sick of their own sin. Starting to go, you know, there's something wrong with the way that we've been living. There's something wrong with the hedonism in our world. There's something wrong with uh, all all of the trash that's there. This was a moment of sort of spiritual revival. This was a moment of, uh, of, you know, something that happens in our history from time to time where people start going, you know, we, we've gone so far with this hedonism. We've gone so far with just pleasuring ourselves. We've gone just so far with, with doing all of these things and we've lost a sense of meaning in the midst of it. And now we need to repent. Now we need to confess Now we need to go back to what it means to be people, to be humans, and what it means for us to actually live in a way that maybe is actually good, even more so than just feeling good. And that's the moment here that John is is, is preaching into. He's preaching into a moment where you have these people that are coming out to see him, not because, as I always figured as a preacher myself, I always figured that it was, well, John was just such a great preacher. He was such a spectacle. He was just so good at what he did. that people were coming out from all of Judea and all of Jerusalem, and they were coming to see this man on fire. But that's probably not the case. What's probably more so the case is that people are finally getting sick of their sins. People are finally probably getting to a place where they're like, this is gross. I don't want to do this anymore. And that's why they're going out to see him. Because of what he's offering. Because what he is offering matches up with the discontentment in their soul. That what he's offering to them is an opportunity to confess their sins and to say, I have done wrong. What he's offering to them is an opportunity to hear words of forgiveness. What he's offering to them is an opportunity to repent, to live a life in a new and different way. And that's important to them. They see that their lives are in need of redemption. They see that their lives are gross and disgusting by themselves. They see that their lives are hopeless by themselves and they are looking to someone who just offers them the opportunity to say, this is what I've done wrong and I don't want to do it anymore but I feel like I will. That's what John the Baptist is offering them. That's what we offer to so many people so much of the time. It at least really should be what we're offering to people. We shouldn't be offering people a, an opportunity so that they can feel like they are so much more judged than what they judge themselves. I mean, there's, there is a moment for that, but so often we forget to offer the good news of the kingdom, which is just a listening ear that is willing to say, look, I'm ready to hear your confession. And I'm ready to know that you are ready to repent. And I'm here to offer forgiveness from God. I'm here to offer you the redemption that that I experienced myself. And yet, so often... Our way of doing this is just, well, it's like John's, quite frankly. John himself recognizes that what he's doing is inadequate. John himself realizes what he's doing is he's just offering you a pawn. What he's offering to you here is just the opportunity in his baptism to put your life up as collateral. But the problem with that is that you then cannot go from the moment of that baptism and pay for the rest of your life. If you offer up your life in collateral to God, guess what? You're still going to be sold in the pawn shop. Because you are not going to be able to buy yourself back. And so what John is doing here is he is engaging in the first part of what needs to happen. It is that moment of putting yourself in hawk. It is that moment of saying, I have done wrong and I need something that will get me just a little bit further. I'm putting myself up as a pawn. But you need somebody to come back in. And you need somebody to buy your ticket. You need somebody to purchase you all over again. Because all you're going to do with the money that you get from the pawn is you're just going to spend that on other sins. You need somebody who's going to come in and buy you back that's what John is saying here when he says that there is one who is coming. One who is coming not just to offer us a baptism of repentance, but one who comes to offer us a baptism in the Holy Spirit. One who comes to offer us a baptism that actually redeems our lives. Somebody who comes in like St. Nicholas of Myra in his Batman bag of gold kind of way and throws down the money that we need, the purchase price that we need into the chimneys of our lives so that we can know that we are paid for and redeemed and set free Because that is what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That it is an ongoing baptism. That it is renewed in us daily as the Holy Spirit continues to live in our hearts. He continues to bring us back to those moments of confession and repentance. But also to those moments of continual forgiveness. Continual redemption. Continual buying back by The blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came that we might have redemption. So may you this week know that you have been purchased at a great price, but may you also know that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and because of that, your future is secure because it is eternally redeemed. Amen.